0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Emma Branham.
1: And I'm Bill Bennett.
0: Welcome along. Great to have you both here. Good to be here. Let's start with you, Emma. Maybe you can fill people in on where you fit in this world of media and technology in New Zealand.
2: Well, I have a bit of a passion for technology, but very much from a consumer point of view. I leave all the the real technicalities to people like yourself, Paul, and you, Bill. Um, But I do love playing with gadgets, and I talk a little bit about gadgets for TV3, along with some real news. And every now and again, I get to go and try things out.
0: You do. Excellent. We're looking forward to hearing from you shortly about a little bit of a tryout that
1: you did in San Francisco recently, Uh, but we'll come back to that. And Bill? I write about technology. Probably, I don't do technology, but a lot of business stuff to do with technology mainly.
0: And I saw your mugshot on the Herald the other day with politics under your name. Oh, 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 yes. So you're a a journalist of many talents, but you mostly focus on, on tech these days,
1: don't you? Yeah, the Renaissance man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's jump in. I think to start with, Emma, we we need to hear about this trip that you took. Uh, Apple took you up to uh, San Francisco last week for their big launch event.
2: That's right. It was quite the experience. First time to San Francisco for me, and very much first time to an Apple event. Um, and obviously, over the years, you know, Steve Jobs really sort of set the scene, but Tim Cook, as well as the Apple CEO. Very good presenter. It was a very exciting event. It was held in the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, which Apple had renovated completely. This was quite a run-down auditorium. And they'd completely painted it up, made it look quite snazzy, invited thousands of people to come along and witness the event. And then, yeah, went through it. A bit like being at a rock concert, actually. Lots of very enthusiastic clapping and cheering and lots of monster announcements, as Tim Cook put it this last time. This
0: is interesting because they, they they, there, are, there are other venues that they've used, like the Moscone Centre and so on. Um, I'm wondering why they've used this venue. I think it's it's probably about capacity, isn't it? Because there were a lot of people in there looking, looking at the, um, the video and so on.
2: I think so. I mean, normally they talk about a few hundred people going along to these events, and there were certainly a few thousand people. Good mix of world media and quite a lot of Apple employees. In fact, Tim Cook made them all stand up and give themselves a round of applause for their efforts over the past year. Um, But yes, I mean, just very, very slick in the presentation. Lots of people coming on stage. Nice to see a few women this year, because as a rule, I've noticed with some of these events, you know, they have a lot of men coming on the stage and giving presentations, not very many women.
0: So a bit more balance
1: this time around. A little bit
2: more balance, although one or two were talking about fashion, which didn't impress me very much. It's
1: better than the Samsung thing. Dreadful thing about the girls gossiping about their phones. Do you remember that?
0: Vaguely, yeah. yeah. So, Emma, what what were, the, what were the highlight for you?
2: Well, the highlights for me, I liked, I mean, <laughs> breaking it into categories. I thought um, the new operating system for the Apple Watch was quite impressive. And the fact that, you know, you'll be able to have native apps now on the Apple Watch, Um, I liked some of the new colours that they're bringing out. Wasn't very impressed to find out that the Hermes watch wasn't coming to New Zealand. We're obviously not posh enough to, or fashionable enough for some of these things. Rich enough. Rich enough (laughs) is probably the word. Um, iPad Pro. Now that was really, Mm. that got a lot of excitement in the audience. I mean, this is aimed at the business market, and I think it's supposed to be something like 80% faster than any of the laptops shipped in the past 12 months, which is quite a big Mm. claim.
0: Yeah, I. Th- the way I read that was they were saying it was faster, not 80% faster than the, the other laptops or other, you know, related devices shipped, um, but faster than 80% of those. Oh, yeah, sorry, yes, yeah, faster
2: than 80%. Yeah, that's yes. a big difference, <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, that, that was the way I'd, I'd taken it, uh, which which is interesting. And, and I guess in terms of percentage, that's kind of interesting because, if, you know, if you break it down, there are lots and lots of, You know, Chromebooks and lower end Mm. laptops that get shipped in massive quantities because they're, you know, they're very cheap, right? You know, two or three hundred US dollars in a lot of cases, those cheap ones. So, you know, saying that it's 80% faster. You know, I'm always a little bit sceptical and, and until it's proven to me, but I'm, yeah. that's curious. No, 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 it, it was the other
2: way around. You're absolutely right there, Paul, so we'd better <laughs> yeah, get that yeah. correct. <laughs> um, I did have um, a, a closer look at that in the hands-on section afterwards, and it really was quite interesting. It's a big beast of a machine. It's the size of two iPad Airs. Beautiful display. Um, it came with some quite interesting accessories as well with the Apple Pencil, which, come on, it's a stylus, but... The Apple Pencil, which I think is going to range at about 100 dollars $100 or so,
0: ninety nine, dollars, nine 99 US. So there are a couple of curious things for me there because their price point seems to line up with Microsoft Surface Pro, yeah, right, which is a, a device that can can run you know tablet friendly apps, but also all your all your traditional apps, and that includes the stylus. Whereas they're saying here, you spend your what was it eight hundred US dollars as a sort of starting point, uh, and then on top of that. You've got to buy the stylus, and I think well, there's a keyboard as well, which is you know similar to what they do with the Surface. That's a that's an extra add-on. So, in terms of you know bang for buck, I guess they're trying to be that
1: premium uh, top product. I was wondering how long it would take for someone to mention the Surface Pro. Uh, <laughs> that
2: did drew, that yeah. drew quite a lot of sniggers actually yeah. when, the, when that was
1: mentioned. Um, the thing is, is they are similar, but there is um, there are some pretty big differences in the biggest difference is that it's iOS, not um, OS X, which is, in effect, a computer, which Surface Pro is, in effect, in effect, a laptop with tablet characteristics, whereas the iPad Pro is a tablet with laptop characteristics.
2: And interestingly, you guys would know more about this, but there seem to be some quite major tie-ins. They had people from Microsoft come on the stage, they had people yeah. from Adobe come on the stage, you know, just showing how much sort of input was going into the iPad Pro to, uh, Pro to make it very business-orientated. Pretty well,
0: important, isn't it? I think probably from Apple's perspective that it
1: gets seen as having the support of, of those vendors. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I did a story about two or three months ago, I wrote this now for NZ Business on whether you could use an iPad for business, whether you could use it as your business computer. And for a lot of people, it's all the computer you need. I mean, you can write, you can write emails, you can write documents, you can... Do your spreadsheet stuff. You can do all the things that you really need for most small businesses. I mean, you can run zero. What you can't do is you can't do much in the way of content creation um, and so on. But pretty much everything you need to do to run a small business on, you could do on the iPad. It. I mean, I, when I did it, I did this on an iPad Air, and it didn't really come lacking until you got into things like editing videos or editing audio or whatever.
0: There's I. I'd probably differ a little bit on that. Have you know with with Gorilla, we've experienced a lot of users that have maybe tried to use iPads for things, yeah. and what we often come up against is there's, there's there's one or two things that they just you know they just can't work out you know how to get that done maybe on a a traditional tablet unless they've got a full blown operating system. Yeah. So one of them was with Zero, they needed to do a download from their bank. You know, save a file in a particular way, upload it, and and they weren't able to do that through through their iPad, for instance. And there there are these little uh, you know steps that sort of get in the way of it being a complete desktop replacement. Yeah, that's that's
1: right. But for for a small business, if you're a plumber or whatever, you probably could get away with um, using um, an iPad. The moment you get to a more sophisticated business and you need more more computing, you're right. But um, those things are those things are pretty minor i mean the thing is is that safari doesn't cope with everything as well and there are some sites where safari struggles but that's usually because the site's badly designed um but the ipad pro takes that on you know another stage um into that business space and for if you're if you're if your computing needs aren't heavy i think you're probably wise to use a um something simple like a tablet rather than a computer. Um, you know, particularly if you're the sort of person who's a bit got a bit of techno fear going on.
2: i tell you what, also, if you're, if you're going out and about with it and you're trying to do something, even if you've just got it on your lap, yeah. I was trying to take notes on, on just an iPad Air and not using a detachable keyboard or, or the yeah. keyboard you know, ones built into the covers was actually still quite fiddly and I'm a touch typist. The iPad Pro has apparently got a full-size software keyboard, which I love the sound of.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a touch typist. I mean, I have written stories um, on an iPad on an iPad Air, um, but yeah, I really need a keyboard. <laughs> well, the form factor has always been the great thing
0: about the iPad, isn't it? And yeah. over here with the iPad Pro, you've got a you know gorgeous twelve point nine inch screen. So you've got a great big screen that's right up there with a, you know a typical laptop. Some people like to have the bigger you know fifteen uh, you know inch screens and, yeah. and so on. Uh, but in terms of you know being very portable, it's had a great uh, it's a great size. Now I did hear some comments uh, back in terms of uh, this term Microsoft we, we've been throwing around the last little while around the uh, the surface the term lapability. Um, okay. Emma, did you come across anyone uh, discu- discussing uh, that? Mm-hmm. So lapability cool. is once you take your your. Tablet and you attach the keyboard on, and then you try and use it on your lap. Paul has a thing about
1: using computers on his lap, don't you, Paul?
0: <laughs> yeah. Although the way we've got the the um, the studio set up now, um, I've don't... got I, I can uh, I yeah. can sit behind the desk with my yeah. laptop while you guys are on the couches, and so uh, lapability uh, doesn't matter. I can use yeah. a tablet no problem.
2: Oh, I can see where you're coming from, though, Paul, because I don't really like trying to you know, type anything on my lap and having a, a detachable keyboard is really difficult.
1: Yeah, I find that too. Um, I, if I if I use a keyboard, I need a desk or a tray table on a plane or something.
0: Mm, so I think there's, yeah, there's some interesting uh, things to be discovered there. I'm looking forward to getting hands-on now. Something else that's curious here is Apple have made the announcement now in September. Why did they make it in September? Because we're not actually seeing the Surface Pro until November.
1: But ipad pro sorry the ipad pro oh goodness me thank Um, thank you bill that's because they're having one event i think
2: the monster announcement i I agree with that i think it's because they wanted to roll out lots of small exciting announcements rather than say you know we've only got one major announcement to say to make with the phones and we'll do everything else at a separate event they've obviously gone to a lot of effort with the venue and the the order of things
1: and when do you
0: think the surface four's coming (laughs) October October is all yeah. the all the noises that I've yeah. uh, that I've I've been hearing. So it's kind of curious timing because yeah, Microsoft are going to refresh their product. It's called cool um, getting your retaliation in first. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's going to be curious just to see how good Microsoft's product is. But yeah, you know, this is an area now. I mean, Microsoft have a multi-billion-dollar business now and selling the Surface uh, products. So. You know it totally makes sense for Apple to also be getting into this professional space because the the sales of iPad yeah. have been down yeah the sales of traditional tablets have been down and the sales of the professional tablets are uh, you know are still on that edge up as people start moving into uh, replacing traditional laptops so I, I think it's a very smart
1: move I think um, iPad surface both of them are beautiful products both of them are really excellent products um, not so keen on other tablets which have which tend to be a little sort of cheaper feeling and um, and so on but um, um the, those two are going to be they 're probably going to be the it 's probably going to be the big marketing battle of the next year those two duking it out well curiously microsoft have have um,
0: announced that the surface products are now going to be sold through.
1: Yeah. Other channels. Yes. Tell us about this, Bill. Oh, it's Dell and HP will be selling them. Yeah. Um, I think Dell and HP will do anything they can to shore up their business models at the moment. But that's um, yeah, a very interesting move. I think I think in both cases, it's through their direct sales teams that are selling into businesses that will be selling them. And of course, um, there's a deal with IBM to sell iPads as well. So there's a lot of that getting into the um, enterprise market with those what a, in effect, consumer products. Mm. Fascinating, isn't it? What do you think of the phones, Emma?
2: Well, from, from what I could tell, I quite like them. I mean, it is the S year, isn't it? So there are improvements.
1: Incremental.
2: Yes. I mean, if, if you listen to Tim Cook, he said, what's changed? Well, everything's changed pretty much. And I suppose there are some, there are some quite quirky features of them. If you, if you look at, I think something called peek and pop, where it uses this sort of 3D touch technology, where I think if you, you can peek into something and then, I'm popping, in fact, right now, you peek into it, and then if you like the look of it, you can push a bit harder and you pop into it. Um, And it saves you, you know, having to go through the channels of pressing lots of different buttons. And, and there was another feature which they mentioned called live photos, where, you know, if you take a, a photo of, of somebody laughing, then you can just literally hear them laugh, and then you've got the still bit. And, and it's there's a
0: little bit of video, isn't there, yeah, to, go, quite to, clever. to go with it? I think it's similar to, uh, was it the Living Moments from, uh, Nokia on the, uh, the, the, the Lumia handset? Yeah. So there's, they, they've had that, you know, I don't know, maybe last year or the year before. So you could basically set that up so when it took a photo, it catches a bit of, um, video linked in with it. Um, uh, that's but, right. Yep. Yeah, Apple releasing this it will probably become uh, become reasonably popular
2: I think the um, cameras as well um, the front and, and back cameras were quite impressive and um, they also had another a new software function called Retina Flash which basically improves Taking of selfies, which is something I definitely need help with, because I am <coughs> terrible at taking pictures of myself. But it sort of illuminates the face just before it takes the picture and makes oh. you look.
0: So my understanding much on that is instead of as we heard uh, some weeks back about the, f- the first uh, smartphone being launched that had a actual selfie flash on on one side. Um, uh, actually, this was when uh, Nanogirl was on the show because I rem- remember her being very excited about it. Um, so Apple's approach, instead of actually putting a flash there, is I think that it just turns the screen yeah. white when you're taking yeah, – uh, so it just yeah it turns all the light on. So if it's right. close enough, it should uh, uh, give you
1: a better selfie. Th- huh? that's, that's exactly what it is, yeah. Um,
0: you excited about that, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, so we've got we've got the 6S and the 6S Plus. Look very similar, but
1: um, if um, – what's the color? Tell me about the color.
2: Oh, the, the colors, they've got a new sort of rosy uh, – ro- well, sorry, rose qu- rose quartz color. So a ro- like a rose gold, I think oh, yes. it is. Mm. You know, so that sort of pinky goldy look. So quite pretty. The, the phones look very, very similar from what I can tell. Um, I think they're a titchy bit thinner. Okay. Um, but otherwise, the actual slightly look of smaller the power
1: battery is what we're what well, we're hearing from those well, but that the same of, punch. Well, yeah, which is quite impressive. Well, supposedly, it? yeah. But this is this is the thing that's happening um, with with all technology is that the batteries are getting smaller and lighter, um, whereas they could have kept it the same size and given you more battery life. Well, there um, was
0: there's talk, isn't there, that it's around that they've claimed that it's the same battery life because of iOS nine not drawing so much battery. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see that. The problem I've I've found recently is if you're using your Apple Watch paired to your iPhone uh, 6, that it's very easy to not have enough battery life to get right through the the day. Now, I don't know whether that's my habits
1: or whether other people have experienced something similar. No, I, I have to turn off. I have the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on all day because I'm using the continuity features, and I found I have to turn them off. Part of the day because I can't get through the day.
2: I drained my iPhone six yeah. almost. Well, I had to charge it halfway through the day when I was in San Francisco yeah. because it was just chewing through it.
0: Yeah. Well, when you're traveling at an event, I think that's that's you might be using it a little bit more. That's always what I find anyway when I'm at those things. I've got to carry portable charges or two or three phones with me so you can, you know, once one's getting flat,
1: you can jump onto the next one. Um and I've also found I found that the um the MacBook doesn't last quite so long as the MacBook Air Um for the same it's it's, it's not much in it, there's an hour in it, but an hour is an hour at the end of the day, you know, when it's half past four and there's a story to get out is a worry. Hmm.
0: Now, okay, so iPad Pro looks as though it'll be pretty cool. We've got a couple of months to wait. Uh, iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, that launches end of next week with local carriers. Uh, interestingly, the price starts at $1,200 hmm. here and goes up to, get this, $1,800 $1, for the 6S
1: Plus if you've got the 128 gig one. So that's, there's a big investment there. Well, that's I think that's as much about our dollar going down against the U.S. dollar as anything because, um, um, hey, folks, I get paid often in U.S. dollars. And Lucky you, Bill. I, yeah, and that's going in the other direction. So um, I think it's got a lot to do with the exchange rate um, more than anything
0: else. I I agree. But it's it's a lot of money, isn't it, for… For a phone, when you think about yeah, certainly at that top end. What else could you get for eighteen
1: hundred? Well, you should get eighteen hundred dollars. Beautiful laptop.
2: Are we looking at about twenty percent higher than the prices for the iPhone six? And it's 6%? Um,
0: yeah. mm, between yeah. ten and fifteen percent, I think. 10, well, ten to twenty. It probably varies yeah. according to the model. But, Interestingly, yeah. there's two hundred dollar difference between devices. So, um, which I don't know if that's actually if that's I think it was one hundred and fifty before. Uh, so the base iPhone 6, I think, launched at 1049 if I remember correctly. That's gone up to $1,200, but that's just the 16-gig one. If you want the next one up, you want the 64, uh, that's a $200 price premium. And 64 is kind of... You know I would I would have thought would be the mainstream uh, level I think a lot of people probably buy the buy the 16 just because that's what they can uh, some, they can afford
1: that's some expensive memory
0: <laughs> yes well I mean a 64 gig uh, you know SD card you know that uh, certainly a, a lower cost one can probably be had for you know 30 40 yeah. f- fifty dollars it, um,
2: it will be interesting to see how sales go because I was reading today that um, worldwide pre-orders for the, for the new phone are incredibly strong and are on pace to beat last year's record total, I think, of 10 million units in the first weekend or something. So, yeah, it will be interesting. I think if they looked completely different, you'd get a lot more people rushing out to buy them. If it's just a case of a few exciting new camera features and a few new nice touches... Will, will people do it? I don't know. Maybe they'll just upgrade to iOS. Well, the there's
0: so many people that don't have an iPhone 6 today, but they've got an iPhone, you know, the 4S, 5, 5S. So they're a few generations behind. And now that there's something, you know, the, time, the timing's probably right for lots and lots of people just to go out and replace their phones. So there, there's that regular cycle. And the interesting other thing they're doing in the US, which we haven't, uh, well, isn't happening here at this stage, but you know never say never as they're moving to a model where people basically get onto a subscription model with apple and they'll be able to upgrade that iphone every year now of course once you jump on that bandwagon you're you know you always owe them another year or two's worth of your uh you know your commitment because you've basically financed this phone through them and uh yeah you get used to getting the new phone every year then it will be very hard for customers to move away to another platform because they know they've still got a year's worth of payments or so on their uh, on their
1: iPhone so it's a great way of get, keeping keeping customers hooked in I I've, um, I'm not sure people need to renew their phones every year I mean I think that's probably a bit excessive I mean we tend to do it in our line of work because we've got to stay current to know what we're talking about. But for people that don't have to do that, I think an annual upgrade to a phone is probably a bit excessive.
0: Well, it'll be so easy because they'll yeah. just keep paying the same amount. So you, it's sort of something people don't have to think about. Once you jump onto that plan, yeah. I imagine you'd probably just take up the offer because it, it's there for you to get a new one. It's not very green, is it? No, it's Ooh. not very green, Bill. <laughs> um, we should hold on to our phones for 100 years. <laughs> And then we should make sure that they're recycled and disappear into the Oh, year. I reckon a couple of years. There will
2: good. still be queues outside the store. I overheard um, yeah. on radio the other day that in Australia there's one guy that's queuing
0: a it Yeah, and I how, saw how that. How
2: many days away is it that he's queuing now? Yeah. All
0: right. Now, I know we've spent a lot of time on Apple, but one more. The new Apple TV. Emma, you were quite impressed... With this, and what was the feature that impressed you the most?
2: Oh, the the um, the voice controlled features where you could basically let Siri join you on the sofa, and you could say, "Hey Siri, choose me action movies," and she'd call up all the action movies. Oh, and that say,
0: sounds great! Hey, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get yeah, one. Yeah,
2: hey Siri, find me all the movies with The Rock in, and she'd say, "Okay," and she'd pull them all up. And I was like, "When's is this? This is great! I want one of these." When it comes to New Zealand, right? That's it. No. We're not getting it. We're getting the fancy remote, which has still got the touchpad, so that's okay, but not the Siri activation side, and I really don't know
0: why.
1: Are we not ever getting it, or we're not getting it now? Well, It's a different remote,
0: though, isn't it, is what we're hearing?
2: Yeah, because it, it doesn't have that feature, so you've still got your touchpad. But you don't have the the Siri voice activation feature of it. And is, everybody else pretty much is getting it apart from us. Australia is getting it.
0: Is it a physically different remote? Does one have the microphone and one doesn't? Or is it just that feature's going to be turned off for now?
2: To be honest, I'm not sure. Um, the, the one I was trialing at the event, um, I think, was, yeah, it just must have had the microphone and I was talking into it. Um, so that's an interesting point. I, I, do, don't
0: I do need to check that because I was reading some things that suggested the, the device technically wasn't capable of it, but I, that doesn't make sense that Apple would would, would do I, I that. I think
2: it might be a different remote because when I asked what weren't we getting, it's we weren't getting that remote. Right. So it does sound like a, a, a different remote.
0: Did I tell you why we're not getting it? No. It's interesting that it is in Australia. I mean, we're seeing similar thing from Microsoft uh, with Cortana, which is... Yeah, launched in, Aust- well, in Australia, but it's not in New Zealand yet for, you know, varying reasons. Yeah, in New Zealand we've got, well, all those features that you actually just mentioned, they're they're pretty much available in New Zealand with an Xbox today, uh, you know, using that voice control. It's just the Cortana product on Windows isn't available. Is that an accent thing, perhaps?
2: Well, that's what I was wondering. And is it something that could you go to Australia and, and buy one and bring it back and it would work?
0: You you probably need to leave it on Australian settings in order to make that work, would be would be my pick, but yeah. we'll, we'll find out soon enough, I'm well, sure. Well,
2: if I bought an English one, I'd be fine. You two would be. You know, well, But I'd be fine. we've well, <laughs> still
1: got some English in his a little bit left. I've still got a bit of a POM accent, but actually, I did an experiment recently, and Siri works for me if I use the Australian. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you spend
0: a bit of time in Oz, yeah, Bill, yeah. so... Uh, yeah. So, so...
1: Yeah, so, yeah... And,
0: Fun, fun times ahead with uh, all these bits and pieces coming out anyway, and it, it's nice to have Apple announce a bunch of stuff a little bit further ahead in some ways. I actually quite like that. I like it when we get a, a bit more advanced warning, uh, and Apple haven't done so much of that over the years, and uh, yeah, it makes it a little bit more interesting than just an iPhone announcement.
2: Definitely, and getting us in the first wave of products as well is always Oh
0: nice. yes, that's huge, isn't it? Because mm. we've been hassling them in, in previous uh, podcasts. Uh, for pushing New Zealand sort of behind the eight ball, so now well, we're back at the front of the queue, first in the world.
1: But I will, one thing to say: I want a New Zealand Apple Store. It's about time. <laughs> All right. Well, now Bill said it. <laughs> I I am now picking that it
0: won't be it won't be too long before we'll get an announcement. Yeah. Now, now that Bill's put it out there to Apple, because. Uh, you know, we know that they listen in. So um. sounds good. <laughs> any other any requests from you for Apple, Emma?
2: Oh, I do. I like the idea of an Apple store. That sounds good to me.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we'll and, go for we'll go for Siri an Apple, Apple Apple store remote. and a Siri operated uh, remote. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, and a Hermes watch, please. <laughs> we need to have those on sale over here as well. I can see lots of people buying those,
0: or at least some uh, samples for uh, for media to review. Is
1: you, that, is that look, what you were hoping for? You'd look it, great Emma? in one of those. Have written your Christmas list yet? No. <laughs> uh. All right. Uh now jumping on to
0: uh Apple Arch rival Google. Um they and looks like they're um maybe getting into a spot of bother in uh, in Russia. Uh, apparently uh Russia have decided that Google is abusing its mobile dominance. Bill is this is this just um uh, Putin sort of you know uh, and and the Russian government just doing something dodgy here or do you think this is actually legitimate
1: no I think the European Union's been looking at this as well um, Google abusing its market dominance well duh I don't know what the Russian for duh is probably, <laughs> probably duh um, what's the point of having a monopoly if you can't abuse it um, <laughs> but the thing is is yes that's it's the case and this, um, this is all about
0: Android and Android sort of being being set up basically with everything pointing back to, you know, uh, Google search in, in
1: particular yeah. because it, uh, you know, it competes with… this well, that's, um, that's yeah. the Android business model. The Android business model isn't about developing, um, selling you an operating system. It's about selling your data. It's, not, it's you know, the operating system itself is actually free to the consumer. It's the the price you pay is giving them your data. Um if you don't like that, don't buy an Android. Because
0: um, this this is following up from uh, Yandex, which is the big search yeah, engine well, in in Russia. Who uh, you know claimed that uh, Google was was abusing, well, um, you know their, their market share at mobile to to push their product. But I mean, Yandex still has
1: the has the lead there. I think by a considerable margin. Look, the Europeans are onto the same thing. Um, I can't remember where that European niggle with Google is at the moment. I haven't been following it explicitly, but I know that there's something going on there still. Um, in China, it's not a problem because you can't use Google services in most of China, even though you can use Android. Um, we're going to hear more of this kind of thing. I mean, it's it's only a matter of time before other governments start to worry about Google. What well, tends to happen when companies get big,
0: isn't it? So yeah, nearly yeah. 62% is the market share for um, uh, Yandex, apparently, within uh, Russia.
2: And haven't Google got something like 10 days to, to try and work out, you know, how they're going to deal with this as well?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, it's lot, lots of time. Well, the, the, the challenge is if they get fined in some of these cases where uh, the fines can be absolutely horrendous. So it'll it's going to be a fascinating one to watch. Yeah. And
2: apparently, Yandex's stocks jumped after the decision as well, so that'll be good for them.
0: Oh yes, yeah. Some, some somebody wins and somebody loses. Um, now, Intel Curry—is that how you pronounce it, uh, Bill? Oh, to say Curry after Mary
1: Curie. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about um, about what's going on with this technology.
1: I I just read the release earlier, so um, you probably know more about it than me. But it seems to be that there's a there's a chip in a bra which keeps things open and keeps changing the shape of the bra. Is that right? That's that's
0: what it seems to be. It's about keeping things cool. What's your take on this, Emma?
2: Well, it's. I read that it's supposed to stop boob sweat. If there's such a thing. Well,
1: well, the thing is, is I, I'm not sure that. I mean, I mean, obviously, Intel is being innovative and trying different things, and, all, you know, and Lord knows they can't sit as many chips as they used to be able to, so they've got to try something. However, isn't this the kind of thing that nanotechnology is for? Isn't this the kind of thing that, you know... Well, there,
0: there is a bit more to it, though. Um, so what they say is the Chromat Eros sports bra leverages shape memory alloy to open vents to cool down the body when it senses heat and sweat. And it uses um, the in, the uh, Intel technology to uh, basically respond to perspiration, breathing patterns, body and body temperature.
2: And stress levels.
0: Oh, oh stress yeah. levels too. So I'm curious how... Uh, yeah, exactly how that would work in practice, but uh, I can say this is a product I'm probably not going to get a chance to uh, to try out. Oh, you're
1: not going to get hands on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, you, you know, talking of stress levels, they've come out with a. There's another product that's come out um, which has got a carbon fiber framework, and it actually changes shape when a person's stress levels rise. And yeah, I can imagine that would be a little bit yeah. awkward. It changes it. You know, maybe it makes it more clingy or something.
1: Yeah. I think this is the sort of thing that Madonna would like.
0: <laughs> Well, this is, I guess what what we are going to see is a lot more, uh, you know, things that are coming through in that in that wearable space well, as, as the technology say. becomes very low cost. Yeah. People want to experiment, do
1: something new, make a headline, uh, yeah, and it, it's not going to be that hard to do. No, and, and I was going to say that this is really more about this is more where wearables are going. I think more than um, devices. I think in in a sense. Um, a watch, a smartwatch, is is a wearable. It's only a wearable in the sense that it sits on a strap. Whereas this is actually something that is a wearable in its own right. So, I think that the long term, the thing about wearables is they're going to become invisible as computers, and they, the the computer aspect of it is going to disappear.
2: Well, we saw that at CES this year. Actually, I mean, there was a huge wearables area, and everything had a sensor in it, you yeah. know, or, or some some sort of chip in it that would make life easier for the wearer yeah. it is quite incredible to think in a couple of years time everything we have on will be able to to either read how we're feeling or yeah, tell us a, what to do and or, it's the internet
1: of things thing mm. as well isn't it so so you know you'll be able to look on your ipad and see what's actually sitting in the washing machine downstairs at the moment um actually that's a thought do these chips cope with being stuck through the fisher and pike Sixty degrees. Or I guess
0: they're gonna they're gonna have to. That's <laughs> yeah. got that's got to be a part of it, doesn't yeah, it? And yeah. we, you know, I guess thinking about it now, and this maybe I haven't clicked on it previously, but you know, thinking of what clothes do cost, they're not particularly, you know, cheap. Certainly, sort of, you know, business clothes and, and sportswear and uh, the latest All Blacks uh, jerseys. If you're a you're a supporter, um, they're not very cheap. So the cost of putting in these bits and pieces of technology,
1: which is you know, it is going to become a negligible cost. You're just sitting there because you're sitting there in your Giorgio Armani suit. <laughs>
0: this is hand
1: tailored, thank you, Bill.
0: No Giorgio for me. Um... Uh, but you know, when you, when you think of the cost of clothes and the cost yeah. of adding on another dollar or two for, for a bit of technology uh, to be built in, because those are the sorts of figures that you'll be thinking about in a lot of cases, but, it's, uh, you know, it's not an, a not enough to uh, make an item particularly more
1: expensive, is it? I would imagine that clothes manufacturers are being getting thrilled at the thought of value add to their um, products.
2: Does it mean you'll be buying fewer items and, and you know, wearing the same clothes for longer then?
1: Well,
0: I guess if you had if the clothes were able to tell you when they needed to be laundered, uh, you know, oh look, you can wear this one for an extra day. Um, what, how would you feel about that if the clothes actually recommended that? You see lots of slightly stinky people yeah. wandering around. The clothes are saying, Oh, you can get away with it, you can maybe do that another hour in that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um but I mean it, you do wonder what are the possibilities of what the technology will actually do or what will it offer us uh you know a few years down the track in terms of having all these sensors or is it going to tell you you know just after you've got to work because you've been dashing to work that actually you need to go and get changed immediately um and you you know your clothes will be t- telling you to uh, to to change a lot if you're uh, an extra sweaty sort or of individual. Or maybe it squirts out little puffs of perfume. Oh yeah, that's a good approach. <laughs> um, or or it throw or it uh, throws you and your clothes straight into the washing machine. Yeah, uh, um, maybe self washing clothes sounds that, good. That would be that would be much easier. Um, all right, now next up, uh, we've come, heard about this new prosthetic hand, which has um, restored somebody's sense of touch. Um, This is kind of pretty cool idea. The fact that we're not just, you know, talking about some futuristic, uh, thing, but the fact, um, that this has actually now been successfully tested an artificial hand, um, that, that gave the man who, who, uh, tried it, um, what was referred to as a near natural, uh, level of, of touch.
2: This is amazing technology, and seeing that it's coming from DARPA means that, you know, this is the perfect device, isn't it, really, for all those injured soldiers and the like.
1: I was thinking more Terminator and
2: that as well. (laughs) Making those robots that they've already got just that little bit, you know.
1: But, but yeah, isn't it? It's great that this sort of technology is being used as something like that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people in places like Afghanistan that are missing limbs and so on. So be able to give them this back is. It's terrific
0: yeah I, I I mean it's it's somewhat sort of mind blowing that we're we're at these sort of points now where this is a is at least a reality within a lab environment and you know once it gets to that stage we know we're not a million miles away from uh, from this thing actually being um, you know accessible to those that have that have lost you know one or more limbs so it's uh it's it's pretty interesting times ahead and that you know that thought of people walking around that have got i mean i guess we already have it today in terms of you know uh, artificial um legs and and so on for uh for running um and for getting around but um actual limbs where you can you know sense touch and so on um i think that's a that's a pretty huge leap forward from just something you can walk on we can rebuild him Um, again I'll say this is not a technology that I'm planning on uh, trying out anytime soon unless I need to be turned into uh, something with multiple arms which I think is probably a little bit you know more than two arms which I think is probably a little bit scary also
2: do you know I'd love to see inside the DARPA lab
0: yeah can can you imagine
2: it would be something out of a science fiction movie
0: yeah, it might or be, a James Bond film. It, it, yeah, well, if it was James Bond film, that would be interesting. But uh, in the other direction, it could be some sort of horror. So, um, in terms of what they're cooking up, Best depending left on, to the imagination depending on your imagination, um,
1: it's a bit gothic.
0: Now, <laughs> crowdfunding campaigns is something. There's always sort of a level of risk associated with them, right? You you jump on board with something on Kickstarter, and you know. In some cases, it'll be six months out till you're going to get the thing. Sometimes it's 12 months out. Um, but then there's the few bad eggs who uh, just take the money and run. Uh, so I was curious to hear that uh, Washington State um, are finding somebody whose um, crowdfunding project basically, uh, well, it never went anywhere and uh, they walked away with the cash.
2: Because it really is a gamble, isn't it, when you use these crowdfunding websites and, and you're you know, making a pledge on something to see whether it actually ever does come to anything.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, we've always sort of known that, but I think as a, you, know, you, you do expect when you put your money down that you're actually going to get something back. So I was actually quite impressed because this is the first time I've heard something like this, and uh, in this case we've got uh, Washington State in the U.S., that have ordered um, Ed... Now, I don't know if I can pronounce this surname. uh, Polchepec Ed Polchepec 3, to pay a total of $54,841 in fines, according to uh, Engadget and Restitution, um, after his um, Kickstarter project, Asylum Playing Cards, uh, basically didn't go ahead and didn't offer any refunds. Um, But the curious part is, is that the project raised less than half that raised around 25k so um they're making sure you know that whoever you know gets into this sort of situation um you know isn't just repaying you know how much they stiff people for there um there's a hefty fine on top that would be covered by fraud yeah well i guess that's why probably in most places that uh this type of action probably you know could happen against against anyone and it's just happens to be that uh Washington state have uh, have decided well, to uh, go, go ahead even though most
1: of those who had uh, jumped in on this crowdfunding campaign weren't uh, you know weren't Washington based. Well the problem I think the problem is though is that when the fraud like that's committed someone's got to sue the person who's doing the, the fraud the fraudulent activity if you've just stuck a couple of hundred dollars into a crowd you know crowdfunded campaign it's not actually worth your while going to a lawyer to get your money back. Not at all. So that's why there has to be some kind of independent body looking after that. And it
2: must be hard sometimes for some of these startups that have come up with an idea. You know, it looks really exciting at the time. They get lots of people making pledges, and then lo and behold, lots of other people start jumping on that particular mm. idea. And then you've got the you know the big the big tech giants coming in and doing something very similar. And then all of a sudden, their product is, is worth nothing. I mean, how do they cope? Because they will have had to invest. Quite a lot of those pledges into, into trying to create the, the particular
1: product in the first place. Well, How can
2: they give it all back?
1: It's like venture capital is the same. Thing.
0: Any startup, I guess, yeah. is going to be a risk, isn't it? So mm. you're in that category. They've got it softer than most people because they've you know drawn all this money off of consumers. Uh, so yeah, I guess you know they have, they they need to do something with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know all the all the details behind this one. But uh, it's, it seems like the right approach to me, anyway. Uh, Yeah, get
1: your money back. Go on,
0: pretty, pretty. You know, pleased that they're they're penalising and uh, you know encouraging some some better behaviour. Now we've got um we've got a couple of things here that are very reminiscent of Google Cardboard. Bill, maybe you can uh, explain Google Cardboard for any uh, listeners that might not recall
1: what it is. Google Cardboard is not something I know too much about, but but as you say, I I have had a look at these things and what they are is basically cardboard things that you fold to make the glasses, VR glasses, virtual reality glasses, you use your mobile phone as the computer to drive the virtual reality experience, and that's pretty much what Google Cardboard does. Yeah, that's right. So, so it, was, it was just a, a cheap version of a virtual reality headset, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I guess Google Cardboard is the uh, the template for this. And I, mm. like Paul, I had both of these sent to me in the last week or so, the... Um, IAG and Kellogg's both had one. Um, the um, Kellogg's one comes in a pack of Nutri-Grain and you you, you quite literally cut out the back of the um, the cereal box, and you take the the actual lenses for the glasses are inside the box. I think there's a um, one of those optical uh, codes on the side of the box which you click on to get to the app, so you can have the uh, virtual reality experience i did all of that and it's not that thrilling it's you know <laughs> it is
2: if you're a kid yeah
1: it's oh it's it's great if you're i mean look on the one hand it's fabulous what you can get for nothing for no cost um that is terrific i mean i i've seen virtual reality glasses. God, when they first came along, we were talking about 30 grand and so on for a virtual reality kit. So, on that basis, it's fabulous. But you know, something I looked at those and those are pretty damn disappointing, <laughs> too. So, I think it, it's going to come down to the content, yeah, isn't it? It is. And the thing is, is it, that, it sounds like I'm being unduly negative. I'm not on all I say on one level, what's achievable is really exciting. On the other hand, um you know, you're not, it's not going to be like one of those movies where people walk into a VR world, and and to some extent, those people have set up expectations, which just a bit unrealistic.
2: But what a great marketing gimmick, though. You know, you want to get your child to eat some cereal, you, you, you buy a packet that's got some, you know, fun technologies, yeah. better than your plastic soldier that you used to get in the old days, or you, you know, cut out the back and color it in or make a hat out of it or something.
0: Well, it is a lot cooler than I think most of the
1: most of the things that we we would yeah. normally see in a Kellogg's Abs- packet. Absolutely. And I and I but I think what's even cooler is the business model from the people that actually sold this to the cereal company and to the insurance company that used it because the the you know, in effect people are looking for new ways to do marketing. They're they're running out of ideas and it's a very innovative idea. It's a very clever idea and it cuts through um, in ways that a lot of traditional marketing just doesn't cut through anymore. That's really clever.
2: And the kids do like it because I, I mean, yeah. I remember going along to a primary school fairly recently, yeah, and uh, the teacher was telling me, you know, that they have got a whole pile of the, the Google Cardboard sets because yeah. it's a great, fun well, educational tool. You know,
1: the um, the the Hacker 360 thing, which came from IAG, is actually the, it's a little bit more polished. The cardboard bit is a bit more polished than the the Kello's one. But then, Hacker, you know, sorry, Hacker, yeah. Did I say that? Different. I don't know. Oh, a different accent. Yeah. Well, Siri doesn't understand me either. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. I thought you said hacker. I probably did. Um, I, I just, I, I'm thinking about computers. I think um, it's a much nicer you know device than the one that's cut from the back of a carbol packet. Oh, sorry, a Kellogg's packet. Um, in the in the. In the uh, promotional material that I got, there's this little flick book of pictures of the All Blacks before the game going through the same dance, and I thought that was really fascinating how that had been done with a series of photographs, and in a, in, in a way, I thought that was slightly more impressive than the PR experience. Well,
0: that's fascinating. But, now, do you, do, do you know how you get this one from, because this is from AIG, isn't it? The, um,
1: yeah. The Haka 360 degree... I don't know how I don't know how you get to be a recipient of that but um um I should have read the press release too because it, pro-
0: <laughs> <laughs> it probably said it on there. So go go and Google it because Bill and I aren't very <laughs> informed on this. I was hoping Bill might know, but uh, yeah. Oh, I, read, so I I
1: probably read about a hundred press releases a day. <laughs> I can't remember one from. No,
0: no, I can't. I can't remember either. But um, I mean, the, the, it's your the, life the, too,
1: isn't it, Emma? It is. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. The, the, easy, the easy option is probably the uh, the Kellogg's grain box. Yeah. And. Uh, um, I'm sure there'll be more content online for these things as well. Um, and the other thing worth noting is that the Google Cardboard was designed for use with Android. Uh, these, there are, you know, varying adjustments you can make, but you can certainly put an iPhone in there yep. and the software is available on the iPhone. Uh, the one for the Kellogg's, uh, it's mentioned on the, on the front of the, uh, yeah. box there. What was, what was that called again? Bolt.
1: Bolt. Yeah, yeah. Bolt, yeah. So the Bolt, the Bolt Kellogg's Bolt app is a, is what you uh, bring he, down onto your phone. Here's the thing: I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I haven't tried this, and I I think I'm going to try this at the weekend. I think you can use other VR software with the glasses.
0: Oh, you would, yeah. So definitely. so pull so, down
1: other people's apps that have maybe got
0: more interesting content if you don't like what's yeah. what's available from NutriGrain Grain or
1: from AIG. Yeah. So go out and score a. Packet of NutriGrain. It's going to cost you about three or four dollars, I'd imagine, and um, get a oh, virtual. Bit, reality. A bit north of that, I think, yeah, that I think so. Yeah, you
2: obviously yeah. haven't bought cereal for a while. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, no. I'm not a cereal. I'm not a. But cereal. it's certainly you know cheaper than
0: even what the Google Glass. Yeah, but, uh, sorry, the um, Google cardboard was selling. But
1: whatever it is, it's going to be a very low cost way of getting some glasses together to, to be able to watch virtual reality, and that's um, it's worth it for that alone. Mm. Um, other little mention on virtual reality is that. Um,
0: uh canon who you know we haven't heard them playing in the space before have uh, apparently been showing off at their uh, their recent expo um a 2 lcd screen based um, and 5k resolution Based VR headsets. Now um,
1: that sounds interesting.
2: Is mm. this a bit of a gimmick though? Because it's it's got handles, so you hold oh. it to your head. You don't strap it on your head. I mean, that sounds quite uncomfortable. Well, to I me. guess
1: this so. one's a bit of a
0: again. It's a bit of a demo. I mean, I find it uncomfortable to wear the to wear the VR headsets. To be fair, because they're quite heavy to wear on your head. And I, you know, I'll be kind of curious to see uh, you know how Microsoft uh, you know get on as the, as well with what they're doing.
1: I find um, I haven't. I haven't found it with these ones which we've just been testing, but I have found it with some of the earlier sets that I actually felt a little sort of woozy, a little bit disoriented wearing them and um, lost my balance a bit. Yeah,
0: we'd have to um, try a roller coaster on this one to see whether it has the same... Uh, yeah.
2: I think all of them make you feel a little bit out of sorts yeah. to a degree, but it's, it's very short-term.
1: Yeah. I don't get that from 3D movies, though, so... Um, so, but I definitely got that from the earlier VR headsets. Yeah, I think it,
0: a lot of it comes down to just how how jumpy the images are, oh,
1: yeah. and that really messes with you. So,
0: uh, as that side of things improves, then in theory we'll have less issues. Um, now, last one, last thing before we uh, before we finish up: uh, Nokia, uh, Siemens, and uh, Vodafone yesterday were uh, were. Uh, demonstrating some new technology that they have which is say basically a portable Cellular network that they can uh, they can set up in case of an emergency, so it might be a search and rescue situation. There are probably a whole lot of scenarios in which they can uh, use this, and we, we, we had a fair bit of discussion around what the possibilities are. They've got a uh, they've got a vehicle that's set up, which they're calling the Vodafone Z car, uh, and uh, that allows them to set up a, a mobile network that would link, you know be have a, a satellite uplink. Uh, That could be driving. uh, They said this could operate that the mobile network could operate with the car moving it up to two hundred k's an hour. Um, They wouldn't confirm for me if anyone had tried driving the car at two hundred k's an hour uh, within (laughs) New Zealand to actually test out that capability. I think they've got enough Um, straight roads to get to two (laughs) hundred k. But yeah, it's it's you know it's interesting to you know to see this being set up from uh, Nokia Siemens because it was. Um, when was it? Bills are maybe two or three years ago that Huawei, yeah, well, uh, you know, offered some similar equipment. In fact, I think they gave it to Vodafone New Zealand uh, and was used
1: in um, an emergency situation in Vanuatu. Now I I, I remember looking at this. This is, this is a much smaller box than the well, the Huawei yeah. one was a small box too. Yeah, but this but is it's, a much it's more, shrinking down, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because the previous generation were the things that they called cows. The self-sight sawmills. I love that name, cows. You know, we mm-hmm. wheel out the cows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, um, and that's what they were using in Christchurch after the earthquakes, for example. Um, and that's a slightly different situation. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. this is targeted, I think, at
0: those first responder uh, scenarios, yeah. and they're talking about cat that weighs about
1: twenty-five kilos. Yeah, so yeah. it's not. You know it's not too hard but, but to sort of pick but, up and, and take with you somewhere but the new generation of cell cell sites are down to about that size anyway so um, um, that's what's happening that yeah so it uses a small yeah. cell technology yeah. that we're
0: we're familiar with but it it basically packs in some server equipment as well yeah. so they they basically can deliver an entire mobile network so they could drop this into you know an emergency situation some you know Pacific Island somewhere in New Zealand uh, and people would any existing mobile, wouldn't matter what network, they can open it up, you know, wide so that anyone could use it. Uh, and that would give them some communication. Another scenario we talked about, uh, you know, I said to them, what about in a situation where, you know, as we've had recently in New Zealand where there's been a plane crash or, you know, there's there's been somebody that's been lost out in the wilderness in a particular scenario. Yeah. We talked about the fact that they can use this, put it in actually a helicopter, they could fly over and they're always scanning for any connections coming in, so they could actually see when the lost person's mobile connected. They could see who, you know, what's what's connected. They could try and call that person if their mobile was, you know, still on and still had juice. Um, so there are some some other interesting use cases. And with a mobile, and with a mobile that's able to report back uh, GPS, which is now becoming more and more common, uh, they would actually be able to get exact GPS coordinates of that of that person, not even having to do any triangulation and so on that we're used to in the old days, but they would actually be able to get that direct
1: GPS uh, information. That, that's, that's fabulous. I was going to say, Paul, that this kind of um, development, it, it's happening. All the big equipment manufacturers are heading into this space. I mean, I know that Motorola and, as you mentioned already, Huawei both have things in this area. And in New Zealand, Vodafone and Nokia Siemens are, are very much partners. So it's, it, this, is, this will be their their um, um, thing in this space. Mm. But I think that what's happening at the moment is that the this entire emergency response, emergency communications market is actually going through a bit of a revolution. And we're seeing an, a new generation of kit coming in. And this is probably the first stuff that's been uh, publicly, shown publicly. Um, here, so we're going to see more of this over the next uh, year or so.
0: Well, I understand that you know, this is one of the you know, first situations in the world that to to see this particular equipment, yeah. uh, but the, it's also happening in the US. And one thing I wasn't aware of in the US is that the government agencies there have their own, uh, or they're building out their own uh i possibly nationwide mobile network yeah that'll right. that be just dedicated you know to to those um you know varying government agencies so they've got this whole private network and um, one of the other things i learned is that sim cards can have a a different access level assigned to them so uh what what tony beard who's the the you know the guru at uh, at vodafone on their uh, their mobile networks was saying uh is that yeah, you know, let's say he's setting up an emergency network somewhere. He would have that sort of top level, so his SIM card would always connect. And then, you know, other sort of, you know, key, key uh, you know, first responders in an emergency situation could have a higher level. And then they might open it up so general public could also, you know, just automatically connect onto this um, small cell site. And make outgoing calls, but then priority would be given, you know, based on uh, you know w- what priority level your your SIM card has. Just a new status symbol, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Having that top level yeah. top level SIM that rules everyone else out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm seventh level. Well, the challenge the challenge with uh, with this because they've got a, this cell site, you know, if they have a, a single one of them. Can do, uh, you know, bandwidth wise 150, uh, megabits. So that's quite a bit of bandwidth. But if you're, if you're in a real disaster zone, you might not have any link to, you know, high speed data connection. So you might be limited to a satellite uplink, which at this stage, you know, they mentioned in the example of the, um, Optus uh, D2 satellite would be, uh, you know, I think 10, 10 megabits per second down and 2 megabits per second up. So I, I keep hearing rumours of more satellite activity coming here as well. There'll be, so there'll be more yeah. for sure, yeah. So um, yeah. So lots of fun stuff going on this week. Well, um, thank you both for joining me.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Enjoy it as always, Paul. Now, Emma, where do we track you down online? You're on Twitter.
2: I am um, just Emma Brannham. You can find me on Twitter. Um, otherwise, I just sort of lurk in the hallways of TV3 doing bits and
0: pieces for news. Yes, yes. Well, we've seen plenty of your stories recently, so um, it's, it's easy to keep up with uh, um, what you're doing by uh, just watching the TV. Um, and, Bill?
1: Um, I have my own website, billbennett.co.nz, um, billbennettnz on Twitter, and you'll find me all over the media.
0: <laughs> excellent excellent yes we will actually i've seen you in a lot of places recently uh, and you can track me down uh, at paul spain on twitter or if you're needing some help with it services you can get in contact uh, with my company gorilla technology at gorilla hey thanks everyone for listening we will catch you again on the next episode next week see ya the new zealand tech podcast